episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. This week we are talking about dogs and data and assumptions. A bonus week and off topic. We are wrapping up summer and it's hard to believe how much of the year is already gone. According to Year Progress, uh, a Twitter account at year underscore progress, we are 64% of the way through. So August 22nd, uh, 2022 being 64% of the way through, which is uh, crazy to think about that we're that far through. We have come a long way, still have a little ways to go, but August always flies by, at least in my opinion. And fall into winter always seems to go by very, very rapidly. As we approach the holiday season, uh, things just tend to pick up and fly by. So we are in that time now. And with five weeks in August, instead of the usual four, this is one of the bonus weeks of the year where we'll explore some areas outside of our normal uh, areas and topics of this newsletter and podcast. So we're going slightly off topic, though not too far askew this time, though I promise I will go really off topic in some subsequent newsletters and podcasts. So not to worry if this isn't off topic enough for you, we will get much more off topic in some future episodes and podcasts. So we got a new puppy over this past weekend. He is a cute golden doodle and he's quickly winning over everyone he comes in contact with. As you can imagine, I mean, you can just look at his face and see how adorable he is. And of course, there is a picture in this week's newsletter, which you can check out at productthinking.cc and subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. So definitely check that one out. And the only one who still has any lingering questions is probably our 11-year-old golden retriever, who is still on the receiving end of most of the puppy bites. So he still gives us some questioning questioning looks from time to time as to whether we are sure about the new puppy. Uh, he was just giving me one of those questioning looks just now as he was pounced by the new puppy as he was lying uh, trying to take a nap. So I was intrigued by an article that hit my inbox uh, recently. Uh, it was entitled, Dog Owners Take More Risks, Cat Owners Are More Cautious. Uh, you can probably tell by the title of that article, it's obviously trying to get you to click on it, whether you are a dog, o- dog owner or a cat owner. And it obviously got me thinking, am I more of a risk taker, more of an adventurer, like the picture from the article uh, portrays, which... If you haven't seen it, you know, I, I copied and pasted it into this week's newsletter. There's a picture of a dog racing down a trail and presumably the owner of the dog on a mountain bike not far behind. So out having an adventure. Am I more of an adventure like that picture portrays because I own dogs? And is it even more so now because we have two? Uh, I certainly like to think so. It's an intriguing image. It's an intriguing idea. Uh, But I'm almost certain that I'm not more of a risk taker, at least not significantly outside of an expected range, given my age, socioeconomics, family, and other circumstances. 
I don't have the data on this for myself, but I'm assuming that somewhere in the meaty part of the bell curve is a pretty safe bet for for me. Of course, uh, with me, n equals one. So that's not too convincing, but it gives me a starting point, a frame of reference. So a few questions came to my mind as I was thinking about this article as I went through and thinking about this idea. So first off, influence or reflection. As I pondered this idea, I can't help but wonder how much we're influenced by our pets, probably some amount, and how much our pets are a reflection or representation to the world of our existing traits. I know many people classify themselves as dog people or cat people, or some have both. Not to reduce our pets to objects, but many people also have similar preferences around the types of vehicles they drive, the places they live, the clothes they wear, etc. These decisions also influence the decisions we make, but are also reflections of who we are. So how much of either are they? The same question can be asked for uh, our preference on dogs versus cats or other pets. So influence or reflection, that was one of the things that came to mind. Uh, risk mover, another question. If I'm completely neutral on a risk continuum, whatever that might look like, will I move to a riskier side by adopting a dog or a less risky side by ab- adopting a cat? If I have no predisposition to either? Could I be influenced significantly by my choice of pet? Could a risk intolerant person be made to take on more risk by adopting a dog? Could my 70 year old parents be encouraged to take on more risk by adopting a dog, for example, even though their risk tolerance may be quite low right now? Or would it be relative to their existing risk tolerance? Some interesting initial thoughts, but let's move on to the to the article. So from the article, it starts with this idea, quoting from the article, dog owners tend to take bigger risks and respond more to reward-oriented advertisements. Cat owners, on the other hand, are more cautious and more likely to react to ads emphasizing risk aversion. These are the two main findings from new peer-reviewed research I co-authored. That's from the author. Now, I'm not a formal researcher and certainly no statistician, so I won't review the work that the researchers for the article did from the perspective of a researcher or statistician, though I did read through the paper that they wrote in addition to the article. And while the research research methods were likely sound and the statistics are probably good, it's some of the bigger questions that linger with me. The headline obviously was meant to grab anyone who owns a dog or cat, like I mentioned. And while the research is really focused on how to market to dog owners and cat owners, which kind of comes to light given the fact that it was uh, marketing professors who ultimately were responsible for much, much of the research. So that's the first thing to keep in mind as we go through. But we'll set that aside since all headlines are misleading these days. Uh, the main studies in the article have to do with uh, three main areas of focus. First off, COVID-19 infections. Second, investments or really imaginary investments and three bidding for ads. So we'll kind of go through each of those. So first off, COVID-19 infections. Uh, Quoting again from the article, our first pair of studies look at pet ownership data in U.S. states 
and compared that with several crude measurements of risk-taking. For example, we found that people in states with a higher share of dog owners, such as North Dakota, had a greater prevalence of COVID-19 infections in 2020 than states with more more cat owners, such as Vermont. Although we controlled for political orientation and other variables, our results show only a correlation. The reason dog ownership seems associated with more COVID-19 cases, for example, could be that dog owners take more risks or they simply have to take their pets out for walks more often, which means greater exposure. So fortunately, the authors acknowledge many of the limitations of this first study in the article itself. For me, I wonder if it doesn't completely rule itself out as uh, anything that we can draw any inferences from. Does dog ownership versus cat ownership become completely meaningless in this context when we're talking about different states and infection rates? I've worked in several companies throughout the pandemic, all with people located across the United States and across the world. We also did a little traveling through the pandemic. The differences in how different locations were reacting to the pandemic at different times were stark. While some states or countries were still very strict about mandates, Hawaii and California, for example, other states were completely the opposite, Texas or Florida, for example. This goes for countries as well, such as Australia and Italy. Taking politics out of the discussion, uh, the culture in the area will determine how others are reacting. And then demographics and other factors play a part as well. While things like pet ownership are interesting, I wonder how much of a role they play in infection rates rather than are just traits of a given area. If people tend to own dogs, then more people will tend to own dogs and and things like that. So while an interesting potential factor, could it just be kind of a side part of a bigger story that really doesn't have any implication on COVID-19 infection rates, uh, which is ultimately where I would probably lean to and where most of the explanation could probably come down to, as opposed to more risk-taking versus less risk-taking for dog owners versus cat owners. Probably something that needs a lot more explanation just in my opinion there. So that was one of the first things. Um, And then the second area of study was investments. So the idea being, what would you do if you could invest a, and they used 2000 US dollars as the amount. So I'll quote again. So in one study, quoting from that, we gave participants an imaginary $2,000 and ask them to invest any portion of it in either a risky stock fund or a more conservative mutual fund. Dog owners who made up 53% of participants were significantly more likely to invest in stocks and also put more money at risk than cat owners. So that was the first study, dog owners versus cat owners. And in another, uh, which was a different set of people, uh, Quoting, we asked 225 people to view four print ads featuring either a cat or a dog and then decide how to allocate a $2,000 investment. As in the previous study, we found that exposure to dogs led participants to be more likely to invest more money in stocks, meaning more riskier investments. So dogs leading to more riskier investments, whether that's people who own dogs or people who saw ads with dogs in them and cats leading to less riskier investments, whether that is cat owners or uh, cat ads. I'm always wary of hypotheticals, though. Sometimes they are the best you can do 
but we should try to gauge actual behavior rather than how would you invest or how would you do XYZ thing. I wrote about this in my review of the mom test, the book, the mom test in another, uh, newsletter. And we also did a podcast on that. So you can check that out, uh, called the mom test book review. And we discussed that at length where, you know, people will tell you, uh, or often tell us one thing and then do another when it comes to actual money. It's easy to say that they will buy something hypothetically, but when they have to put their actual money to it, they might balk at that. So I wonder how do actual dog owners invest their money? How do actual cat owners invest their money? That seems like something we could find out by looking at actual investment portfolios and controlling for age, income, and and demographics. And that sounds fascinating. I'd love to see someone do that because it would probably tell us a lot about actual risk appetite, at least in financial decisions, for dog owners versus cat owners. And again, give us the actual uh, behavior behind some of these things rather than hypotheticals, which in the product world we know is much more telling than uh, what would you do, which is why we like to focus on that rather than, you know, what would you do? What have you actually done? Or uh, what do you do in these types of things with actual examples? So when we're doing product research, focusing on those types of things, what have you done or what do you do rather than what would you do in a hypothetical scenario? Because then we can actually gauge real behavior as opposed to hypothetical behavior. So one of those things that comes to mind whenever I see hypothetical behavior. So one of those questions and a, a potential fascinating area for some real research behind actual behavior of dog owners versus cat owners. So getting to the final area that the article covers, bidding for ads, quoting finally from this one, students who recalled an interaction with a dog offered bids significantly higher when they were exposed to the reward-oriented rather than the risk aversion ads. In contrast, those who recalled a cat offered much higher bids when they saw ads focused on risk aversion. So in this, uh, the article discusses ads based on reward-focused versus risk aversion. And the idea being the participants were asked to think about a a dog experience or a cat experience, and then they were uh, asked to bid on different types of ads, whether a reward-oriented or a risk-aversion-oriented ad. And uh, once again, this conformed to the author's hypothesis of stereotypes of dogs and cats' experiences involving dogs, prime the undergrads who were uh, part of this experience. Uh, in So experiences involving dogs prime the undergrads involved for rewards and experiences involving cats prime the undergrads involved for risk aversion. So some of my questions apply here. Since this was primarily with undergrads, how broadly applicable is it? Since it's largely hypothetical again, like we just uh, we're discussing, or dealing with very small amounts of money, you know, going to the research paper. It seems like in some of these experiments, and they were either using hypotheticals or uh, paying very small amounts of money. Is there enough risk involved to truly assess risk preferences? Um, and do these risk preferences change over time or change with different ages? Um, a lot of the ages 
of these participants were very, very similar uh, based on uh, what I could tell from some of these studies. So it's interesting to think about how much our pets influence us versus how much they are a reflection of our existing preferences. I suspect it's both, though how much is an open question. We certainly can't escape how our decisions shape our environment, which in turn shapes our decisions. It seems like a stretch to say that dog owners take more risks and conform to their pet's stereotypical traits without adjusting for many of the other factors at play, which is why it's so important to look at all of these types of articles and research studies with a critical eye and ask questions and examine sources. When all the participants are around the same age and come from roughly the same pool, we may get some small amount of signal, but can't really confirm too much which also goes for our own research, for our products and our companies. It's easy to confirm our own biases and assumptions, but we have to dig deeper and question our hypotheses rather than confirm our stereotypes. So there you go. Some rumination, some thoughts on dogs and data and assumptions going a little off topic, but ultimately coming back around as we usually do to our product thinking. And uh, that is it for this week. Uh, again, a little bit off topic, but uh, tying it back to our new puppy who uh, we're excited to have. And of course, uh, if you haven't followed us, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, product thinking, definitely do that. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, you should definitely do that at productthinking.cc. Uh, the free version of the newsletter comes out uh, weekly. And we also have a paid version, which you can support uh, all of the podcasting and writing that I am doing, which I'd be very grateful for. And you get some bonus content uh, each month, as well as uh, just supporting the free version, which would be amazing. So you can do that as well. Either way, uh, you should just subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at Product Thinking, just one T in the middle, and follow me at Kyle Larry Evans. And until next time, keep questioning those assumptions, and we will talk again soon. <laughs>